This is the 2D10 Podcast. You better listen. If you guys want to just start by um, introducing yourselves and, um, you know, we could go clockwise and um, just explain who you are and what brings you onto the podcast. Cool. That means Rafael should start probably, yeah. I was uh, I was serving as a uh, lead character artist on the uh, first iteration of a game, Coteries of New York. And then I was helping with main characters on Shadows of New York. And actually, the way, uh, the reason we are here, kind of, is that uh, I was listening to I was listening to Nathan's and Bob podcast while doing that because I I needed actually to catch up with uh, Vampire a little bit because my story goes way back to uh, second edition and I wasn't really updated. <laughs> And then I sent like a little thanks to Nathan and Bob. And uh, yeah, so short, here we are after uh, the game was released. Yeah, I'm Cross. Hi, uh, I was, uh, I assisted Chris right there on uh, Coteries of New York. I helped him outline the story and uh, uh, served as a main, as a writer on some of the subplots and parts of the main plot, and then I became a vision holder on the Shadows of New York and uh, wrote about ninety percent of that game. Uh, my name's Chris. Uh, I'm the project lead uh, for Coteries of New York. Um, did most of the work uh, there in terms of you know designing the thing, organizing the thing. Uh, had help from people in writing as well, uh, cross included, but wrote clo- probably about half of the game um, in terms of coteries. I helped out in Shadows of New York uh, since Cross took the reins. I mostly uh, did the level design, the kind of in-engine work, plus a bit of production, plus uh, you know b- bits and pieces. Uh, Based on my knowledge of um, on my knowledge of world of, Dar- of the world of darkness and my contacts with Paradox, the um, license owners, uh, I was kind of the uh, connecting tissue in that in that project in some ways. Cool. Well, thank thank you all, all three of you, for being on. Uh, I really, really appreciate you being able to uh, you know just correspond with me and figure out an appropriate time because we're we're all over the place. Um, I, I am in the U S and I believe two of you are in Poland and and then one of you is in Japan. So (laughs) this was like, it was basically seven hours apart, almost, (laughs) almost, almost exactly seven hours apart each group. Yeah. It's a, it was, it was a lot of fun to, to organize this, but it proves to me that it can be done. So I appreciate you all coming on. And, um, I, I, one thing I want to mention um, podcasting during this time has taken on a different scope for me, at least, you know, I've always kind of podcasted, um, face to face with people or, um, you know, when I was podcasting with my old partner, we would do it, but just kind of like one-on-one on video and now actually getting to see people through video and do this, this, it, it basically, when you all jumped on, I was like, Oh, these are, these are people that I recognize because like, I, I sense the, that they are players of the vampire game. Like I am. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on. So first, first thing I want to ask about is, um, 
draw distance, uh, how that came about. And um, if I understand correctly, it was uh, the the company the went by a different name and you changed it. So how did you all come together and, you know, what, what inspired you to start developing games and just what's the story behind that? Sure. So like the short of it is that, uh, yeah, Draw Distance is the name that we're under currently before we were called iPhone for all. It was a company that was set more than a decade ago. Uh, it was set up more than a decade ago and the, uh, originally it was focused on, uh, mobile devices and, you know, smaller games, hence iPhone, et cetera, uh, the, the I at the beginning. Um, in 2016, um, when I joined the when I joined the company, um, they were already um, deciding to move away from mobile games, and that's how the idea of our breakout uh, title, uh, Sierra Cleaner, came around. Uh, Sierra Cleaner is this kind of fast-paced, um, fast-paced stealth game, dexterity slash stealth game, set in the 70s, and that's the first project I worked on in with iPhone for All. Um, the game released in 2017, and since then we knew that we won't, wouldn't be going back to uh, focusing on mobile stuff. We'd be focusing on the, you know, on the big platforms on on PC, Xbox, PS, uh, PS, Nintendo Switch, etc. So um, we then, I believe, the name change came about last year. I think that was the kind of a transitional period at the beginning of the year. And then we've, uh, the first two games we have published as Draw Distance was Coteries of New York and Ritual Crown of Horns, which is a game Cross worked on. Um, and uh, and yeah, and um, for the most part, our story right now is that um, other than, you know, developing the two vampire games, we're also working on the sequel to Serial Cleaner right now, Serial mm-hmm. Cleaners. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and we're, we're, uh, we're about 20 people right now. I think the, 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 the development team is, um, and maybe Rafał could, um, throw in, uh, some trivia about how he came on board. Cause I think that reaches to, uh, like, you knowing, you knowing our CEO, right? You know? Uh, yes, we know each other from, uh, old times, like 20 years ago when, uh, Current CEO of uh, Draw Distance uh, was working as uh, for the as a journalist for the game uh, magazines, and uh, that's how we met. I wasn't back then uh, in any way related to or like connected to game industry. Not yet. Uh, that happened a couple of years later after I uh, after I moved to Japan, but. Uh, so long story short, it's like after 20 years, uh, we met a couple of times during that period, obviously. But uh, he called me and we were talking mostly about something else. And then he mentioned Vampire the Masquerade. And I, I went completely silent for a moment. And I was like, no way, man. You need to you need to, you need to get me on this. Yeah, I, I want to work on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but so, yeah, it's pretty cool. But, you know, it would be nice. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah, I totally won't. Uh, this is something I, I was connected to for years before I uh, before I came to Japan, and I would totally want to be a part of it. Yeah. So a uh, couple of months later, maybe two months later, after we had this little discussion, uh, guys were working on the prototype, mm-hmm. 
and it was kind of like a little submission for uh, Paradox Entertainment. And uh, we, we just basically had like two days. And, and during those two days, I needed to sketch like a bunch of uh, characters. And I remembered second edition, yeah? So to me, Vampire uh, was always a little bit, uh, you know, I stopped on the Gothic, deep yeah. Gothic level. And uh, so they were a little bit over the top, as uh, Chris told me later. And and he was like the person who was like just bottoming me, you know, moving me down a little bit all the time. Yeah, yeah I'm the bad guy. So, I'm the bad guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> from my point of view. So yeah, uh, basically this is how it happened. This is how we started. And then there was like a one month or two months uh, break, and they came back and with like a uh, with like a real thing, and. Yeah, and, and, uh, a, and then, a game like Coteries of New York is is high visual. You know, it's not um, there. There is a lot of work that must have gone into this. Um, what was that process like? You know, exploring these characters. And I know you used um, um, New York by Night as kind of your jumping off point. What was that process like to sort of gather all this artwork and remain consistent? Like, I can't even imagine how much work must have gone into that. Mm, yeah, that's mostly credit. Chris, to you want to start? Really. Yeah, um, just just by you know uh, rolling out the red carpet for you, basically, because uh, initially um, Rafa was the was the person who uh, created um, these kind of um, high level outlines for what we would want to do aesthetically um in terms of of lighting and in terms of the character style and everything else so, and uh, like like Rafa mentioned uh, in terms of coteries most of those characters uh, have come from him um in Sh- with shadows we already had like a very strong um visual identity established mm-hmm. so it was easier to follow up in that sense we also had the um we also had the um, for the fortune of having a new uh, artist come on board uh, this year, early this year, who uh, managed to not exactly copy but use Rafa's style as a jumping-off point to create characters who look very much in line with what we would expect, while you know being being created by another artist. So and there were say characters, right? Yeah. So, so basically, um, yeah, kudos, kudos to Rafa for, you know, jumping in initially and figuring out how to, I guess, bridge the gap between, um, between, um, kind of a concept, what, what paradox calls internally concept art style, mm-hmm. uh, meaning, you know, not, for, not like, uh, photo manipulation, but instead, uh, basically draw, basically, you know, classical drawings, etc. Right. how to mix that with a nice atmosphere, and how to mix that with our uh, background locations, with our with our backgrounds. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about these two games is uh, the art style. Um, you know, some people have been critical, even myself, I've been a little critical of like the f- photograph aspects of V five. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm a very traditional gamer in the sense that you know, when you present media to me, I want it to look like, you know. I want it to look like drawings, 
quite honestly. So I really uh, appreciate the the style because it does to me really fit that world of darkness that I grew up with. You know, it's it's very classic in that sense, but it feels like it's graduated. You know, it's it's grown up a little bit. You know, a little bit more vibrant in the color aspect. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the story. credit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You should. Uh, you know, they're, no, actually, they're... actually, we, we should. I, I was just working, you know, on a part of it because it was just characters. Yeah. So characters are like uh, crucial, but uh, all the backgrounds uh, are mm-hmm. done by uh, actually one artist and tons of backgrounds. And uh, he had really uh, difficult uh, work to do. Yeah. And he's uh, he's from draw distance. He works there, so big kudos. Yeah, because and, uh, Philippe, he did Philippe. like amazing. Philippe, yes, Philip. Philip did an amazing job. Yeah, and he also had to adjust to everything. And uh, you know, it's difficult because mm, we were supposed to do uh, real New York, or at least it would. Uh, it was supposed to be almost like a uh, new york right, right. and uh, i never been to new york i don't know if philip went there <laughs> uh so we were like asking people who we know from new york if they can send some references you know yeah. <laughs> we can yeah. work with yeah? uh, just this uh you know philip uh, big thanks yeah absolutely um so tell me a little bit about the story development of um well i guess we'll just start with coteries the story development of that because there is that established, you know, uh, New York by night, but that's way back in 2001. What, what went into sort of um, envisioning the future of both New York City and the Camarilla and its role within it and, and how that was presented for a story for uh, essentially designed for new players, for people that maybe aren't familiar yeah. with that and how, how that was possible to kind of like remain true to that story. Yeah, so um, the basic thing is, you know, lots of reading went into that because obviously, like like Rafael mentioned, uh, I think all of us here were more more familiar with older iterations of the franchise. So for Rafael, that was the second edition. For me, it was the third edition. For Cross, if I'm not mistaken, your your onboarding was uh, came along with Bloodlines, right? Yeah, so so also like kind of you know tail end of the '90s, early 2000s, third edition style. <clears throat> um, so a lot of writing, a lot of reading came into um, just figuring out where we should start, uh, brushing up on fifth edition and on the status quo for the Camarilla and the World of Darkness at large. Uh, but also reading through New York by Night. One of the first things we did was. We kind of created this big document with, uh, along with Cross, with all, all the characters listed uh, and some of the concepts, if I remember correctly. And we kind of gi- we've given our comments to all of them, saying this is how we might use this character. This character we would probably want to cut. Uh, can we kill this character off, etc. That kind of stuff. So we went through all basically the entirety of New York by Night and sent that off to uh, to Paradox to figure out how they were feeling about the, the things we've had planned. And uh, I believe like the, the most important early step was that proof of concept demo that Rafa mentioned. 
um, that was basically there to prove to Paradox that we can a create a game of this sort with the appropriate style of graphics and the appropriate style of writing. And secondly, that we would be able to do justice to the world darkness in general, right? So, so, so that we are the, so that we basically know what we're doing. And, you know, it was confirmed by the fact that the demo was quite well received, uh, only with those few um, wrinkles here and there that had to do with us not being familiar with V5 as much as, you know, we were leaning on stuff that Paradox currently um, doesn't really uh, say a lot about. So, for example, we've had uh, bits and pieces of the Sabbat um, in, in that early concept demo, but we then learned that the Sabbat is something of a no-go zone for now uh, in terms of, in terms of you know, um, external developers, etc. So we made some changes and basically uh, the stuff that made its way into Coteries from that proof-of-concept demo was mostly due to the fact that um, it presented a bit of a story that we knew we wanted to tell, uh, but we didn't have the exact slot where it, where that you know piece of story should go into. Um, and basically, we at some point realized that instead of rewriting the whole thing, we can just take some of that concept, some of that stuff from that proof of concept demo, rewrite it a bit, and here again, like one of the quests went into Cross's hands, for example, and and he kind of made changes to that. And then we slotted it back into like the you know the the, the full the full thing, uh, yeah, <clears throat> basically. Uh, were there any characters or things that you really wanted to use that you didn't get to, or um, were there any characters that you were you really had your heart set on and just couldn't fit them into the into the game? So like. Um, Cross, I, I believe you wanted you. You thought Fio Bell would be a good, uh, or at least giving a nod to Fio Bell at some at some point, right? Yeah, I really didn't want to introduce him because he's got a he's got bigger things on his mind right now. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, yeah, what we really took some time to agree on is uh, the way. A Kater, uh, a Katarina device could be included in the game, and it, yeah. it didn't. We didn't really manage to make it happen in uh, Coderies, uh, and of course, uh, the big, uh, the, the elephant in the room was that elders like her are really hard to include without blowing the entire thing uh, up from the yeah. Uh, so uh, after a long match of uh, email ping pong, we set on a solution that satisfied us all, and I think that in the shadows it really worked out well. Yeah, awesome. that's true. That's that's a character that that we were looking at to include in in colorys, but didn't manage to. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great secondary characters in New York by Night that we kind of didn't get to in Coteries, and we smuggled a few of those, including Carter van der Weyden, whose great art by, by Rafa was like 
immediately you know the, the right amount of of creepy and uh like I, I keep seeing gary Busey in his face for some reason <laughs> but it's like but he, he, that that's one character Thank you. That, he, he went he went through like three iterations yeah but, you know, so, but that's one character that we're. I, I'm personally happy that Cross managed to uh, sneak him in, in into Shadows because um, originally the, the idea we had for Coterie was a quite a bigger game, and you know, with with more uh, important Camarilla and non-Camarilla characters <clears throat> making an appearance. But obviously, like after you start working on a thing, uh, and especially on the on the kind of short treasure that we had we quickly realized that we wouldn't be able to do everything we wanted. So we kind of started uh, focusing on, on the important, on the most important stuff. And that's where uh, a lot of characters had to remain only mentioned or not even mentioned. Yeah. It's a, it's such a big world and I can't even imagine trying to, you know, put a pin in every character and trying to draw them back to a, you know, a single cohesive story. Yeah. Um, I've got to imagine that it's like, sitting down to storytell for your game group, but times a million. So, you know, it's, the, the amount of work that must go into it is just baffling to me. Actually, um, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw in a, t- a tidbit that might be, like from my perspective at least, making um, World of Darkness game and a Vampire the Masquerade game was in some way, a video game, was in some way less, maybe a little bit less stressful other than the fact that, you know, you, you make an impact on the lore, etc. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the element that's kind of stressful. But in a freeform RPG, your players can, you know, go anywhere and meet anyone, right? And you have to be prepared for all contingencies. Whereas in a video game, we know that, like, these are the, these are the constraints that we're working with. And if that character is not in the script, then they're not going to appear out of nowhere. Yeah. So in that way, it was kind of easier to, you know, we, we, I think like for the most part, me at least, and I know cross across in some, um, with some characters as well, we have kind of a um, headcanon about where the character is or what they're up to or if they're even around in New York anymore. Right. But obviously at this point, I think we are, you know, passing the baton to other creators who will make their games uh, in set in New York City in the future. And we have kind of left the city at a status quo that we believe is quite interesting. And it's kind of, it's, uh, it's a very um, uneasy balance. And all it needs is a little bit of a tip or a tip one way or the other, and the whole thing is going to break down. And obviously, that's a that's also a good point to start if you want to play a chronicle in um, in which your players have um, a big impact potentially on the politics of the city, which is the intent of uh, New York by Night, which was the intent of New York by Night as well. Yeah, as a, uh, as a supplement. It was definitely, I mean, there were some other little crazy things here and there going on behind the scenes, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was definitely like a situation where it was barely contained. It, the chaos yeah. was just around the corner. Um, so out of curiosity, I, I tend to ask this to most people, um, you know, how did you get into this property? How did you get into Vampire the Masquerade? What was that? Um, origin story like for you? I know, Cross, you said you got in to Bloodlines. Did you have 
previous experience playing tabletop games or was it just strictly the video game scenario? Uh, I had a brief contact with uh, Redemption, which is why I also I also felt that Ekaterina needs to be included in uh, in a New York related game. I haven't exactly managed to um, uh, set up a session or anything or play a Chronicle, but I did manage to get my hands uh, on some core books as a as a Thin and uh, I used to browse them, and uh, it made an impact too. But uh, but no, uh, Bloodlines was the big thing. Uh, the entire storyline, the art style, the, the music, the the feeling of being there in 2004 was just incredible, and it's still my favorite thing related to the I, series. I, I've met so many people that that game just kind of like blew the door open for them. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my personal experience, I, I came from like the LARP community and I never really even got into playing bloodlines. Like I, to this day, I've played like 15 minutes of it. Cause it just, I missed it when it came out and now going back, it's kind of like, it's a little hard, but so many people I've met that are like in their early thirties, late twenties, that game just like opened the door for them. So I'm, I'm infinitely grateful, even though I wasn't personally, um, exposed to it, but, um, you know, I was like a little running around playing rock, paper, scissors type of guy. So, um, how, how about you, Chris? Uh, let's go with Rafa maybe first. Cause okay. I, I think I'm gonna, uh, answering your question. I'm also gonna segue into maybe how the company, uh, got the chance to work with the IP. Cause that might be interesting. I like it. Oh, <clears throat> Uh, the question is, it's like how, how I got in contact with the vampire uh, or the, yeah. So, or uh, I think I was in a high school, uh, which was a long time ago. And uh, I was looking for some new uh, RPG. And uh, I went to this store and back then in Poland, it wasn't like, you know, you could get everything you wanted. Yeah, there was not not so many not so many things available back then so uh there was a vampire the masquerade and i immediately got hooked on a cover art actually and there was like a hardcover which was more like a french uh comic books than regular uh, ad and mm -hmm. uh, system and uh and I just immediately got it. And then we kind of got all, all, all people in my group kind of got infested and some some other guy got uh, Raid and uh, Mage and uh, just started to dig inside. Someone got cult because back then there was uh, like a little crossover between uh, World of Darkness and cult and we just went completely mental over it. And uh, yeah, it's like, I think I spent with Vampire uh, in storytelling quite a bit, five or six years back then, yeah, five or six, maybe more. So at one point we, we stopped, uh, we stopped throwing dice and, uh, we just started to, there was no storyteller per se, uh, and everyone was a storyteller, everyone was a player and we just started to tell stories to each other. And I think that was like the moment we decided that, uh, it's enough and we kind of did everything. I was never in, into LARP. 
and I was never into uh, computer games. I never played anything uh, related to the Empire, actually, to, to related to World of Darkness. Uh, I think the uh, quarters of New York is a first thing, <laughs> <laughs> just like a digital stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's my little story. <laughs> mm. So uh, I got my start from um, from tabletop role playing as well. Um, only my introduction to Vampire was kind of was kind of wonky because what happened was um, there used to be this um, magazine published in Poland called Magia i Miecz, Magic and Might, basically Magic and Sword. Um, and uh, it was an RPG-related magazine which had all these different sections about different RPGs that were coming out at the time. Warhammer was one of them. AD&D had a little bit of, of a presence, but mostly uh, Polish knockoff called the Crystals of Time. Kryształy Czasu was the thing that kind of took most of the space in, in terms of heroic fantasy. <laughs> and then you had, you know, then you had war, your Warhammers, you had your Call of Cthulhu's, which is still one of the most popular systems in Poland, um, and a few other things. Among them, the World of Darkness. And I used to skim through those articles because I didn't really know what they were about, and I was like vaguely aware of the World of Darkness. And then came Vampire: The Masquerade Redemption, which I've mm -hmm. played. Uh, I first read it, about it in a video game related magazine. Thought it sounded interesting. Later, got a copy, played it. The copy was faulty because it was pirated. Uh, it was just how how things were back then, uh, yeah. and I didn't I couldn't really get too far into the story, but then finally I got the the uh, an actual original copy of it and played it through uh, years later years later. But at the same time, I, like Rafa, I was looking for new RPGs and having having now been aware of Vampire through those articles on Redemption, those articles in Magimiech, I finally went into a shop and I wanted to buy a vampire, uh, Dark Ages, Dark Ages vampire. Mm -hmm. um, and that was because a friend of mine who also, he also played that version of the, of the setting mostly. But the girl at the counter said, you know what, if you're just starting out, might I interest you in Vampire the Masquerade? I was like, yeah, I don't know. I really like the Middle Ages though. And she's like, no, no, really, you, you should probably like try this one. <laughs> and and I, ha I kind of had the same reaction as Rafa did to the cover, the cover of the third edition, uh, of the second and third editions. They were pretty similar, uh, with the red rose on the you know on the green marble. That was something that like immediately struck a chord with me, uh, and I kind of looked through the book. And that day, I did come out with Vampire: The Masquerade, and later I came back for Vampire: Dark Ages anyway. Uh, and I still own both. I've played a little bit on and off. I did a little bit of LARPing in Masquerade. I almost did a bit of LARPing with Requiem, but that never never ended up happening, uh, even though I had a character ready. Um, but for the most part, my exposure over the years was mostly like keeping an eye out on what's going on with the franchise, hearing things, uh, hearing things about like then you know the new world of darkness what's what's now called chronicles of darkness and being like vaguely interested in it never really playing it all too much playing bloodlines and liking bloodlines too uh, but yeah when the when the um, option came to come back to it and to kind of you know do some archaeology archaeological digging in my own 
you know story as as a RPG player and uh, as a gamer in general, I kind of jumped on the occasion because it was like, oh, okay, so they're doing a new edition. I wonder what's that like. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of the the reason we're doing it at all is because one of our our business um, our kind of business uh, guy called uh, named Jacek, he basically met with then head of White Wolf in 2018 during mm-hmm. some, some fair um, somewhere. I, I believe it might have been might have been something in uh, on the West Coast an E3 or something to that extent um, right. two years ago. Right. And he kind of established that contact then and he himself being a fan of Vampire and a fan of RPGs in general uh, he, fought, he returned to us saying, well, you know, I've got this contact, we might maybe do something about it. Um, and because we were working with Microsoft at that point on, on another game uh, for their Mixel platform, which is now defunct, the, their kind of you know streaming alternative to Twitch, the initial idea was, okay, so maybe we can kind of make Microsoft and White Wolf meet together with us as the intermediary by creating a game for Mixer, but set on, on the official license of Vampire the Masquerade. That idea didn't, didn't come to completion uh, because at that point, Microsoft was already kind of less interested in creating games for Mixer exclusively. And um, we, but we did have that contact line to them. And that's kind of how we came to early 2019 and you know talking about that um, proof of concept demo and that's kind of how the story of the development started. So how has your perspective on the world of darkness changed since having to do all of this work on this game? Um, you know, what, what is your perspective now compared to what it was before you sat down and did all this work and exploration? Maybe Rafa will start. No, no. <laughs> fair enough. Fair no, enough. I, I will. I will not. I will not start. Yeah, it was too complex. It was too complex question. Yeah, <laughs> I need to prepare myself. <laughs> so yeah, I hate it now. <laughs> hate it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but um, obviously, if you've listened to my older podcast, um, we had to read a book a week, and we did that from 2016. Uh, I believe 2016 to 2019, which means I read more Vampire the Masquerade than anybody ever should in the history of life. And frankly, probably more than even like members of members of White Wolf did at any point <laughs> to, to I, the point. Yeah, it, it was just like I was like, I, I don't I, I love this game, but get it away. Get it away. from Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. I mean, I think Vampire will now. Now it's um, it is certain that it will always be somehow important to me. But I also, whenever we finish a project, it's like I never want to look at Vampire again. At least it is like this for me. And you have to recharge batteries <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. uh, Disconnect yourself from all of this and see what you feel about Vampire the Masquerade later on. Because uh, right off the bat, it's just you feel like the universe sucked you dry and you sucked that universe dry and yeah. uh, nobody came of any better. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 gen- I get generally can agree that that's kind of... That's how I felt after Coteries, definitely. Um, because of how... 
at times hectic the, the production uh, for Culture East was. I did come out of that project a little bit burned out, uh, burned out on Vampire. So I was happy that Cross volunteered to take over with Shadows because, uh, well, first off, his idea for a follow-up to Culture East, which we knew we were going to do at the beginning of this year because Culture East, like, basically because <clears throat> sold well, right? And we, we saw that there was interest in in the game so we knew that we wanted to do some kind of follow-up uh and yeah cross's idea for that was much better than mine was uh so i'm happy that he took um that he took over but like for me um it's a mix of a bigger appreciation of of the amount of detail and the amount of like interconnected stuff that happens to have this world of darkness work together um and yeah, and it, it, and it is a little bit of like, I'm happy to be doing something else in, in the future, right? <laughs> right? Basically, after you spend so much time uh, engrossed in a world and reading about it and internalizing all that stuff, it does become tiresome and you kind of want a change in diet, basically. Yeah. And, <laughs> and personally, um vampire will i think always remain to me like this very interesting very interesting setting and very atmospheric setting um i would love to finally gm a longer um a longer chronicle of it at some point because i find uh, i find it would be an interesting challenge to somebody because you know i'm mostly used to gming um like you know, adventure, pulpy, fantasy stuff. So changing gears to something like Vampire, especially now with the fifth edition, where there's an increased um, re- refocus on the humanity aspect of the vampire. So on all the touchstones and your uh, and the, um, the way you have uh, different NPCs that created this um, web of uh, interconnected characters. That would be challenging to me personally as a GM for sure and it's uh, and that's why I would like to try it someday but like Cross said it's probably best if we take you know a bit of a breather <laughs> give it a few months give it a few months and then return to it once you remember what the thing that you really liked about it was right yeah how uh, was your yeah I was going to say how has it uh, affected your uh, ability to put the pencil down Oh, it was very easy to put the pencil down. It was beyond <laughs> easy to put the pencil down. Uh, yeah, but uh, when you're in it, it's really, it's not really like a project where you uh, have a total creative freedom and you just let your muse take you where she wants you to go. But you really, it's more like carving your space in the universe and. Uh, Everything has to be consulted with the people who run the universe, and uh, it's uh, it's really uh, uh, slow and maybe not ungrateful, but really tiring kind of work. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when you don't have to like stru- struggle like this, it's easy to take this briefer and uh, start think and start recharging and start. Uh, changing your mode into thinking for yourself to be fair i think that like for most things that we did seven times out of ten we would basically hit on something immediately that was uh 
at least palatable, oh, yes. right? Or yeah, or at least like or at least acceptable from from the licensor's viewpoint. Yeah, but uh, you have but this inner cop in your head, and yeah. he, he is, <laughs> it takes some energy too. Yeah, 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 but then you know those three times out of ten, we would stumble upon something that would need increased time spent on iteration on iterations, which I I believe that's something that Rafael can speak to in terms of some of the character art as well. Well, <clears throat> to me, it's like uh, fifth edition was uh, was a pretty difficult uh, at the beginning because uh, they got me a copy, and I look at it and I thought it's like a it's a LARP. Thing, yeah? yeah, right. Because there are so many uh, second edition didn't have it. Yeah? It was like a Bradstreet, Teambrook, Cobb, Dougal in Sabad, and you had to use your imagination. In fifth edition, it's like totally different. There is a lot of like concepty, arty uh, characters, and a lot of uh, like real people being uh, Photoshop painted, uh, makeup, uh, wearing clothes. So it was so different that at the very beginning, I actually uh, called guys and I asked them, uh, "Should should we do this like that? Yeah, should we start look for actually models?" And they were like, "No, no, 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 no. It's like totally illustration." Huh? So uh, to to me, it was like a super nice reconnection in, overall. Uh, never had a experience with vampire before that I had to sit down to the desk and actually draw imagine characters. You know, I was a player, I was a game master. So uh, and I wasn't drawing them because like the different uh, different part of the brain is working. Right. So this time it was uh, pretty challenging. Uh, Challenges were completely different uh, with uh, coteries and shadows. Uh, initial scope for both uh, was a little bit different because what guys said, uh, one side you go, uh, you got that seven to three, yeah, or even eight to two ratio, and you have to comply. And you, at one point, you don't want to take risks. Uh, no, uh, and it had to have been even more difficult from an art perspective looking back at New York by night because the the imagery that's used in New York by night is is nothing like what the imagery that you guys use. You, your art style is, uh, I would say, more realistic and more in line with like Chicago by Night's art style, where you know it's definitely art, but it is it is like I like I said earlier, it kind of feels to me like grown up compared to what it was in those earlier editions. And I know like New York by night revised, there's this weird kind of like ethereal beginning Photoshop stuff going on. It's like half art half. So I, I imagine that couldn't have made it any easier. Oh uh, yeah. It was a little bit difficult because uh, we didn't have a uh, uh, liberty to work uh, with, uh, with Philip together. So, Lighting is completely different uh, sometimes on characters and on, uh, on backgrounds. That's why we kind of had to use the dynamic lighting. What worked on uh, what worked well for us is that it's at night, right? Uh, so, so we are good in here. You got so many lighting sources that you can kind of fake it, yeah. yeah. And characters will kind of sit well because they're can be always like additional light source from somewhere. Uh, so 
it had to kind of adjust and post-process things, uh, but it kind of turned well. Uh, I think that the scope was a little bit uh, too big, but we, uh, I think we kind of delivered uh, what was, like the dynamic lighting was, uh, was my idea and in like a meat level of production, I was just like, Jesus, what have I done? <laughs> it's like there's so many PNG layers I have to export, I had to draw, and I, I had to draw those characters in like kind of uh, neutral lighting. And uh, I was trying to kind of <laughs> lose it for shadows of New York, but it was already there, so we had to kind of follow uh, the whole situation. Yeah, I probably kind of drifted right now from the uh, matter of the question, but okay, just no, just bring yeah, me back. I think you're still uh, you're still on the uh, on the court. I think yeah, it's totally fine. So the last <laughs> thing I want to ask you guys because I do have to wrap up here pretty soon, but I really want to know. Um, you know, I have 0.000% uh, knowledge of what it's like to develop a video game. I that's like completely outside of my wheelhouse. I'm curious what kind of challenges you face when you're developing a game for not just like one platform, like you're not just developing for steam, but you're developing it for every game platform out there, Xbox, PlayStation, what kind of challenges do you face when you have to sit down and do that? And, um, you know, is it a simple process? I'm assuming it's not. Um, and how does that affect your, your ability to tell the story within the confines of the game? Mm. I think I can uh, follow up you guys in terms of uh, what what your perspective is on that, and then I can get into more into like the console ports and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you you guys can go first, and uh, and I'll finish up with some you know more general thoughts about the production process as well. Well, in my case, it was uh, mostly uh, a tighter deadline, just that, and <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, with uh, with an additional buffer which we didn't have with uh, Coteries, that's why that uh, that line uh, with Coteries our release schedule was just gradually rolling out uh, consecutive platforms. Uh, I just gave our programmers and testers uh, additional time to get everything done and uh, like. Uh, the baton was passed to them. Now they had to measure up to the horrors that were awaiting them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raph, what was that like for you from an art perspective? Uh, to me, the most challenging uh, thing was actually comparing to other projects uh, I work with uh, was that uh, usually I work on an uh, idea, right? And uh, lighting idea, even characters are some are always something that will be turned into 3D. Uh, in the end yeah so i'm just giving ideas and then like super talented people are taking over and the process continues yeah and here everything uh, i did was going into the game yeah like it is yeah. and it's always had like a moments when i was uh, realizing it and it was always like super stressful so i had to take a break <laughs> then uh, and start to work again like it was like a regular concept art so it would be turned into 3d uh so that was that was the most challenging thing i think uh from like a, my personal uh point of standpoint of view but uh that stuff i, I mentioned like a second ago a minute ago 
with uh, lighting changing on characters without actually kind of there was like always like a guessing factor uh, because Philip was still working on other locations, right? So I didn't really know till the very end which locations will be there, yeah? which will make it to the game. Oh, uh, uh, challenging. And we were trying to actually challenge ourselves even more on the shadows because since the main character, I think I can say it, yeah? yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, since the main character is La Sombra. Mm -hmm. yeah? So we are thinking, it's like, what if we will give only her like a super duper dynamic shadow is going on her. And, and that was would like, actually... Nope, nope we won't <laughs> yeah, be doing yeah. that. <laughs> Chris was like, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen, guys. But as an idea, it was cool. And we were even thinking that we don't have to deliver uh, the same quality of dynamic shadows for each of the characters. Because it's La Sombra. So she can get that little special treatment, yeah? Right. It will be like kind of, oh, okay, that's nice. Well, that didn't happen, maybe uh, next time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ross the, is the not reason, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the, reason, the reason why it didn't happen is, uh, I think, uh, par partially an answer to your question, Nathan, um, which is Shadows of New York was basically built on already established stuff in coteries uh, and we had certain kinds of technological debt in in a way for shadows um with coteries the reason why we why we didn't quite do uh the release on all consoles simultaneously which was originally the plan for coteries as well and the reason why um the reason why uh, we couldn't do a more robust shadow system, which we also initially thought we, we would be able to do, is because we basically made some early decisions in terms of the tech and in terms of the of the software that carried with them certain expectations. The For me, as, as the person who wrote much of the story and who implemented nearly all of it, uh, we had one um, plugin, for example, which we realized like several months into production started lagging because of the amount of data and basically my, i barely remember november of last year because <laughs> it was so stressful to try and push everything towards towards um the the release date while working on tech that clearly had its issues and we had to kind of work around that in different ways and then on top of that the fact that for most consoles like if you if you complete a game for PC, you can, generally speaking, publish it the same week, roughly. Like there, there will be a few days uh, where you have to wait for the, the store to accept the game, right? But for right. consoles, there's about a month of, uh, of a process of certification. So basically what that means is if we want to release your game in December, like we wanted with Coteries, the game would have to be complete in early November, which there was no chance in hell that's going to be happening um, because because of different delays, because of different uh, issues we had with some of the people who, who work with us on outsource, etc. We had like a bunch of 
really small of, of technically small issues that all kind of amounted to uh, to production problems um, around every corner for coteries. So fortunately for shadows, uh, most of that stuff was figured out, right? We already knew that we could deliver a game like that, that we could publish it to different platforms. All we had to do was basically do the same thing again, but without any of the problems. But of course, it's not how it happened. And we also, right. uh, we decided that that tool that I was using to create the game that we had to optimize it, but to optimize it, we had to, the coders had to rewrite it, and when they did, a lot a lot of other stuff unraveled, right, and had to be kind of taken back and uh, re- basically like rebuilt so that like the a game Pandora's would... box. Yeah, exactly. It's like whenever you <laughs> find a problem and you fix that problem, uh, you might have, especially since since how it happened the coders working on Shadows of New York weren't the same people who set up coteries. So for programmers, that's basically like trying to figure out another person's handwriting yeah. uh, and logic from a book that's like 500 years old, right? <laughs> uh, it's archaeology, basically, uh, at some uh, in some stages. So... Uh, so it was a challenging thing to make it happen on all platforms, but like Cross said, this time we we knew we had a deadline that we had to meet so that the programmers could work on um, work on porting to other consoles. Um, and for the most part, we did a good enough job that we delivered the builds on time for all platforms without any major hiccups. So basically, Coteries in that way was very much a learning experience for us. Awesome. I have one last question. Um, and I don't know if, uh, I don't know how this works either for, for you, for your company and whatnot, but uh, you have a physical package coming out in 2021, right? Um, and that'll include both copies of the games and then I believe uh, a vinyl copy of the soundtracks. Yeah. Um, what what has gone into that development? Have any of you been a part of that? Or um, yeah, I, I, physical media for me, like trying to create something that I'm actually going to sell, is a huge pain in the ass. So yeah. I'm just curious, like what went into that and how you were involved. So I don't think either of us was involved directly. I think I think that's mostly the decision to to do that came from Jacek again from business development basically um, contacting either either we contacted them or they contacted us it's a it's an outside company that does that that prepares the whole thing and we obviously the only thing we have to do is to provide them with with all the materials um, but I'm super excited that it's even happening it's kind of yeah. wild to be honest because. You know, working in the working in the video game industry in the last few years mostly means that you're used to your game coming out in digital form. Um, so, like, ooh, last Yeah, uh, he'll he'll come back. Uh, so, the when we got like physical copies of Serial Cleaner in 2017, uh, which had a limited PC run uh, and then a limited PS4 run. That was already kind of fun because you could stick some extras into there. You could you could stick the uh, soundtrack on a CD, etc. But with Coteries now, it's going to be super interesting to see 
both soundtracks on vinyl and both and we're very happy with both of those soundtracks so it should be a treat to anyone who uh who likes that kind of atmosphere and that kind of theme and if i'm not mistaken i'll have to, we'd have to check it later you you can you can correct me later if i'm wrong in, in the comments to the to the podcast but uh there's also going to be an art book oh, for nice. for both games so having that excites me because i do like my art books and special editions of games i'm i'm a huge fan of having like a physical copy of of a book with with the art from the game on the on the shelf so yeah, I'm uh, I'm a very old yeah. school type of person in that regard too. Like, I still like to have a physical thing that I can put my hands on and and look at. Um, I don't I don't know why. Like, I I think it's probably just how I was raised. Um, you know, if there's not a physical version of a thing, it's almost as if it has less value to me. You know, like yeah. less intrinsic value. Um, you know, like digital books. I've I've always kind of been like, eh, that's I I don't have a real copy of it, but I do have a PDF. You know. Um, and I can tell you know, looking at Cross's, um, legal library behind us, you know, <laughs> obviously I'm not alone in that perspective, <laughs> but, uh, um, well it's, uh, it's about that time for me. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm about out of time, but I, I really appreciate you coming on. And also I really appreciate you thanking me at the end of your game. I don't <laughs> know, uh, that I've ever encountered that before. It was mind blowing. It was legitimately like, like someone thanked me in a video game. What is going on here? Um, <laughs> but I, I really, I really appreciate it. And um, um, is there any other um, vampire, the masquerade stuff in the, on the horizon for you after you've decompressed and, and got gotten it all out of your system? I mean, you know, who can who can say? Uh, right now, what I'm doing is I'm kind of over overlooking uh, the creation for of translations for um, for coteries, and we're hoping to be able to do the same with shadows. So I'm kind of still um, somehow connected to to both of these projects, and and will continue to help people with figuring out, you know, what uh, the translations of different. Uh, of different sections of the games. Mm, so, yeah, so for me, uh, this project, I mean, Coteries had a very long tail in a, in a way, and it seems like with all the other stuff that's happening, the physical version you mentioned and the uh, the translations, both of these projects are still going to, uh, you know, keep happening for me uh, in small ways for the foreseeable future. So I'm definitely like keeping my, uh, keeping my hand on, on the dose too, if nothing else. Nice. Uh, so I guess the next question, uh, before I wrap up is, uh, when are we going to get you guys together to actually play a tabletop campaign? Well, I mean, I've got the books, I've got the dice. So anytime you're ready, you let me know. Whoa, sure, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be happy to, I've, I've been, I've been, you know, very eager to play a Bruja for years now. So nice. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you later. Also, before we go, I'm sorry. Check out Coteries of New York, Shadows of New York. Check out Draw Distance. Uh, they have a bunch of other games. Uh, there will be links in wherever places that links go. So just check those out. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have you guys back on. Maybe we'll figure out a time when we can assemble and do a little live play. I don't know. No promises, but. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you guys very much.
Thank you for thanks having us. Yeah, thanks Thank for you having for us. Thanks for listening to the 2D10 Podcast. If you liked what you heard, check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out our YouTube channel, TWO, the letter D, T-E-N. Don't forget to spell it, you dumb dub. If you want to support us more, go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode. <laughs> Don't judge me.